Amen. All right. Well, we uh, tonight we're also having baptisms at the end, so uh, don't uh, don't run off immediately as soon as we're done here. We're going to be having baptisms at the end of this. Uh, but go ahead and take your Bible and open it up to Matthew chapter seven. I know you Bible might just fall open there right now. We've been in it, been in Matthew five, six, and seven for a while. And uh, just got a few more weeks, although I've really enjoyed it and kind of sad to see the Sermon on the Mount coming to its end. It has been, it has been so good. Well, there we're in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. This is the, we're the mid part of chapter 7, and Jesus is getting everything closed up. He's He's covered a lot of subjects, he's done a lot of teaching, and now he's bringing things to a close, and we're going to look at what he has to say. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. It says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Jesus is telling us, because he knows the plan. He knows that he's not going to be on this planet a whole lot longer after this, this Sermon on the Mount actually, according to most theologians, takes place a couple of years into his ministry. So he's only got about a year and a half left. And he knows that God's plan, that this, this treasure that we have is going to be put in earthen vessels. And it's going to be people who are going to be passing the truths on, are going to be passing the gospel. And there's going to be teaching and preaching and prophesying and all of these things that are going to be happening as the gospel is carried forward through the years. And there's going to be, and that's the way God designed it. It is a good thing to be taught. And it's a good thing to have teachers and those that are prophets, those that stand in the place of speaking God's words, whether, it's, whether it is expounding on the word that's written or whether it is operating in the, in the gift of prophecy and bringing forth a, 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 a prophetic word, that it is a good thing and it's God's design. But at the same time, there's always, anytime God does something, Satan likes to counterfeit it. He likes to try to twist it and bend it. And Jesus is telling them, you've telling us, look, be careful because not everybody is going to be preaching the right thing. Not everybody is going to be presenting the right gospel. And is the very first thing we have to understand is don't be taught by just anybody. Don't be taught by just anyone. Whenever I was in college here at ASU, I was standing at a crosswalk, going to cross Johnson, and I was sitting there, and of course, you're waiting, and so it kind of piles up. And I just ended up talking to the guy next to me and uh, asked him what his major was, asked him some different things, and then he told me that he was planning on going to this seminary grad school, but he really wasn't completely sure. And I was like, oh, cool. So um, I was involved in ministry, and I was like, here's another ministry-minded individual. That's kind of neat. So I was asking him. Uh, you know, about his career choice and about what he was going to do with his life. And he, he shocked me 
because he said, you know, well, you know, I've just been kicking around going into religion, you know, and, you know, my parents really want me to go into this, but I think I'm going to go into religion. And I was like, what? Is, you go into religion? Just, you know, decide you're going to just, just because it's a, it's a career path, it's a, you know, it's, it's a field like going into, you know, going into being a teacher or going into, you know, engineering or accounting or something. I'm just going to go be in religion. And I was like, you know, and it was going to be a, it was a Christian seminary. Of course, he raised in the Bible Belt. That was the religion he was going to go into. And I was like, oh, my goodness, Lord, how many people are out there have gone into religion? You know, instead of being called of God. And that just that just that was the first time I'd ever run across anything like that. And it just freaked me out. And I, I just always assumed everybody that was in ministry at least felt a call to ministry. At least, you know, maybe they could, you know, have a weird idea here or there. But it was because they, you know, but they got into it on pursuing God and wanting to be a blessing to people. But that's not always the case. Jesus is telling us here that we need to watch out for counterfeit teaching. And there is God's got a plan on how for us to be able to be aware of the counterfeit. The uh, ancient uh, Chinese would always do the, you'd have the master of a trade, and then they would have an apprentice of the trade, and they would be taught this, where there was this, uh, the story of this ancient jade, Chinese jade merchant. He was the best jade merchant in China. He was a very profitable, very prosperous man. And this young man decides that he wants to go into the, to the buying and selling of, of jade. So he goes to the, the senior merchant and he tells him what he, his plans are and asks if he could be his apprentice. He tells him, yes, yeah, you can be my apprentice. So he hands him a fine piece of jade, puts j- a chunk of jade in his hand and tells him to sit in the corner. So the guy's, you know, recognize this is the guy top of his field, and he goes and he sits in the corner with a piece of jade, and he has it in his hand, and he's feeling it, looking at it, and he's just stuck in the corner all day with a piece of jade. Gives the jade back, you know, leaves, comes in the next morning, all right, boss, what's up? And gives him another piece of jade, tells him to sit in the corner. This goes on day after day, week after week, and about the third week, this young guy just gets a stomach full of it. He's just tired of sitting in the corner holding a stone, holding a piece of jade. And finally, very cautiously confronts the guy and says, look, why are you treating me like this? Why are you, why are you having me do this? I'm here to learn the trade. And so he just reaches over there and grabs a stone and sticks it in the guy's hand. And the guy's sitting there holding it and then looks at the old man and goes, this isn't jade. See, the deal is, is that as, as we go forward and as we are exposed to the truth, we get to where we can recognize the truth immediately. In fact, our, the, the number one thing for uh, defense with banks against counterfeiters are the tellers. And they send them through all sorts of training to make, to, for them to understand and recognize and do all the stuff. But when you talk to a teller and you find out what really helps them spot counterfeit... It's the fact that they have been touching the real stuff eight, nine hours a day all the time. And by handling the real thing, they immediately, ah, that's not right. There's something wrong. And then they can go through the other processes to eliminate it and see. But just because they're exposed to it all the time, immediately the fake, the wrong sticks out. 
<clears throat> the deal is, is Jesus has warned us that this, these false prophets, these false teachers, they can look right, have the sheep's clothing, but on the inside they are ravenous wolves. It is all about destruction. The deal with a false prophet or a false teacher, it's not so much that they're really looking to hurt people. You know, a, a ravenous wolf is not looking to hurt sheep. Looking to fill his belly. And sheep get hurt and get eaten and devoured and him trying to fill his belly. He's not trying to be mean. He's not trying to be, you know, I'm sure when he hangs out with all of his wolf pack buddies, he's probably a pretty good old wolf, you know. But the deal is, is he's a wolf. And with wolf getting around, they're there, they see them as food. They're not there to protect them or to guard them. That's the deal is that, that ultimately these false teachers or false prophets, they are simply about, it's not about taking care of the sheep. It's the, they're, they're trying to fulfill a desire on the inside, trying to fill something on the inside. The true teachers, their heart is about the people. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. This one isn't in your notes. It says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, or the New King James says, by reason of use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This is one of the reasons that it is so important of what we're doing together, reading through the Bible together. Every morning you're exposing yourself to the truth. You're handling the truth. You're, you're handling this, this valuable thing that, that guides your life so that if all of a sudden things come up, you're like, mm, I don't know. Let's, let's double check that here. And that's exactly what happens in Acts chapter 17 verse 11. It says, now the Bereans were more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they had received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Paul wrote the bulk of the New Testament, but they scrutinized Paul. And this is Paul's traveling buddy, Luke. You know, he didn't get offended He's the one pinning this. He didn't get offended because they were, did not just take Paul's word. It's, he's Paul. What are you talking about? He's, you know, had the Damascus Road experience. He's seen people raised from the dead. This is Paul. Why are you questioning Paul? He didn't get all flustered. They, in fact, calls him more noble. He, they just love it. Go ahead. Check it out. Do it. You're not ever going to hurt my feelings if you come up to me and say, Brandon, you know, you taught this, or we did this, and, and I see this in the Word. How, did, how does this fit? How does this work? And so, man, that just, I just, I love that. I'm not going to be intimidated if you come and you say, ah, oh, you know, I, I read this a little differently, or I was taught this a little differently, or let, let's look at this. You go back to the Word. Look at it. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Word is our source. We have to be like the Bereans. And that keeps us from getting off track. We stay focused and not get twisted with somebody who is a wolf in sheep's clothing. This is not... Uh, honestly, I'm just going to have to tell you this. is. Had this not been in the Sermon on the Mount, I don't know if I'd have necessarily preached on this in the next three or four years. 
And uh, as I was going through this, I really struggled all week with this on going, God, you know, we're here and there's all this other stuff. How, how, how are we putting it into practice? You know, there's, why are we dealing with this? I don't want to have to talk about dealing with false prophets and, and all this stuff. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, is that even though we don't necessarily have it all the time where it's just rampant, you have this false prophet all the time, we have to be prepared. Jesus thought it was important enough to put it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, just be aware, be on the lookout, watch out, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The next thing we have to do is whenever we come along and have to deal with somebody and a teaching that's maybe new or different, something that we're sitting there, I'm not quite sure completely about this. The thing is, Jesus tells us that we will ultimately know them by what they produce. There are four pillars that we're going to look at, four, four pillars that good, solid teaching isn't going to miss one of these pillars. It isn't going to violate one of these pillars. And if you pull one out, you pull one of these pillars out, and you just mess with just it, all of a sudden you've messed with the whole thing. Tell you what, you go to make a cake, and all you do is you decide, ah, all that's really needed is the flour and the water. You know, we don't need to mess with the rest of that stuff. I'm kind of glow on a diet. I'm going to leave the sugar out. And, you know, eggs are kind of yucky, and I'm going to leave the eggs out. And, you know, we're just going to have us, you know, and all that. You've, you leave those ingredients out, and all you've got is a bowl of glue. All you've done is made glue. You haven't made cake. You haven't made something better. You've made something entirely different. We can't leave. There's certain ingredients you can't leave out. You get the core things in there, but then you can add strawberries and have now have strawberry cake. You know, you can add some... Uh, you can add some chocolate chips and have some chocolate chip cake. You can add some other stuff in there and flavor it up. But if those core things are there, you can have a, a different flavor of things. But those core things have to be there. So when we do that, we're going to look and ask these four questions. And we're going to cruise through these. Because we've got to remember one thing. Ultimately, ultimately, <clears throat> Adam and Eve had to judge fruit. That's what they had to do. And when it was all said and done, when Eve looked at that fruit, oh, it was pretty. It looked nice. It was pleasing to the eye. And it looked tasty, too. It looked like it was going to be good for food. And when it was all said and done, what she was supposed to judge that fruit by was God's word. You simply had to take God's word for it. When it was all said and done, and that's what we're going to look at. When it's all said and done, we judge the fruit by the same way that they, Adam and Eve were supposed to judge those fruit, they're going to have to take God's word for it. So the first one we have to look at is, do, is this teaching, do they teach another God? Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 4 says, If a prophet or one who foretells dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken actually takes place. And he then says, let us follow other gods, gods you've not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow. In him you must revere. 
keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. This was so important. That's why Jesus did not simply do miraculous signs and then just give his own teachings over and over and over. He kept bringing up the word. He kept bringing up the Old Testament. He kept seeing how this is completed. This, when Isaiah talked about this, this is how this works. When all of these different things, it wasn't just the miraculous signs and now I can give you a whole new doctrine. Now all of a sudden these miraculous cool things have happened and now you just believe whatever I say. Here it is even in the Old Testament. It says, says that even if it has miraculous powers accompanied with it, if it is taking you away from the one true God, run screaming. You're like, well, why? Um, Why would that? I mean, if there's miraculous power, wouldn't that be God? Well, wait a second. Let's think back. Moses, he's sitting there talking to Pharaoh and saying, Pharaoh wants, you know, God wants us to, to go out and worship him. And as a proof, I'm going to do this miraculous sign. Well, Pharaoh's got a couple of guys there, a couple of magicians. And they do some incredible stuff. They have some incredible things. It's not just the little old coin behind the ear trick, you know. I mean, this is some miraculous stuff. Till finally, they have some signs and they tell Pharaoh, we can't do those signs. You better listen to this man. But you know what? The demonic realm, and I don't talk about that all the time, but Satan can fabricate miracles and that kind of stuff as well. That's why we have to be rooted in the Word. It has to be rooted in the Word. So if it's pointing us to a different God, if it's pointing us to a different deal, we have to just say, "Uh uh-uh. Do they teach another Jesus? Man, oh, there are groups of people all over the place that embrace Jesus on some level. Man, Jesus, as far as religion goes, he's a popular guy. You know, there's, you know, people that, you know, Jesus, oh, you know, well, he's, uh, he's a great prophet. You know, we want to include him into our religion. He's a great prophet. You know, we're, we're cool with Jesus. You know, oh, okay, well, Jesus, you know, he was doing his thing over on that side of the world, and there was this other stuff happening on the other side of the world. And Jesus, you know, he isn't quite the son of God, and he doesn't fit like you're saying, but we're ultimately, we're pretty cool with Jesus. You know, there's, we have, it has to come down to what does the Bible say, and if they're violating what we know the truth of Jesus, then it is run, run screaming. That is one, a core pillar. 1 John 2, verses 23 through 23 says, Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. 1 John 4, 22 through 3 says, This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even is now already in the world. I am so thankful, and I really love it, that my oldest son, Kenan, likes history. This morning when I got up to go to the... To the you know, camp out, make sure everybody was all right. Keenan was already up. He was watching the History Channel. He was watching the deal on the Civil War. 
You know, I mean, there's all or other things that he could be watching, and he's watching the History Channel. I love that. I like history. It's a lot of good stuff. It's educational. The deal is, is every once in a while, I'll walk in there, and they've got the History Channel on, and they've got some goober in there doing the real history of Jesus. You know, and they've taken the Bible out of it, and they're just looking at, oh, well, he really existed, and he was going to all this miraculous stuff. That, no, 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 that's, that's just silly. This, his, his followers made that up and all this stuff. And so we've got, I've got to be real protective and make sure that my kids aren't ingesting all this stuff and wake up and go, oh, wait a minute, Dad, I, you know, watch the History Channel. You know, you were cool with them on all these other shows. You know, what's, you know they must be right. And, uh, you know, we, <clears throat> we have to make sure that, that it, what they say about Jesus stays true, that he, was, that he was born in the flesh, that he was born to a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and rose in bodily form, that he's ascended on high and is going to come back again. If people are taking the core things from Jesus away, it messes everything up. Paul said that we looked at back on Easter, that if Christ is not risen... If, if we mess with that stuff, then our faith is futile. We're still in our sins. Nothing's been, we've not been transformed. Do they mess with Jesus? Do they teach another gospel? Galatians 1.8 says, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Paul said, Even if I come around... And I change my mind. All of a sudden now I'm preaching something other than the gospel I've already preached. Then I need to be eternally condemned. Stay with the gospel that has already been preached. Don't modify it. Don't shift it. The gospel has to say the gospel. that the, the good news that God through Christ has reconciled the world to himself. That judgment isn't for mankind anymore. It's already been dealt with. That Jesus is the only way to heaven because it's the only answer for sin it's the only way anytime somebody comes in and begins to preach another gospel there's been a a new resurgence simply because in it's riding on the coattails of this tolerance movement and i believe that we have to be people of love and there's so much truth in the fact that of this tolerance deal that we do we have to be people of love but we can't cross the line and say all say whitewash sin and say okay well all religions are okay, are all good and they're all you know um, do that we can't cross that you know we have to love people who are being in the wrong and be patient with those who doubt like Jude tells us to but there is a resurgence now of of the the doctrine of universalism where basically everybody is eventually going to end up in heaven, that everybody's going to be saved, that you don't have to make a decision and receive Christ, that it's just not fair that there are people. And you know what? It's one of those things that when you start looking at it from this human perspective, man, it's got a strong argument. You get away from the Bible, and you go, man, what God loves, he loves everybody. It's, It's his will that none should perish. You know, God's will gets done, doesn't it? Ultimately, everybody is just going to somehow come to know God. And it's not going to have to do ultimately really with anything with Jesus at all. We just, we let's just all love each other and be sweet. You know, there's a, uh, a pastor who is 
who was trained in a fantastic seminary and had had some solid credentials and did went real well and then all of a sudden sitting in his living room watching a program on a news program where these people were dying in Haiti like crazy shifted his theology and created a deal called the doctrine or the um, uh, the gospel of inclusion and all of a sudden everything just twisted and he just said okay and walked away from everything that he had ever known and began to preach a, a gospel that is no gospel at all it has no savior it has no Christ in it we can't mess with the gospel and then the last one is is do they teach another book Proverbs 10 verses 5 through 6 say every word of God is flawless he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Psalms 138.2 says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for, you, <clears throat> for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. God's word, he's, God has raised his word Above even his name, he has, he has raised his word. It is the standard. If somebody comes in and starts messing with the word and says that they're going to yank pieces out of it or point you to a completely different book entirely, ah, we don't, you know, the, the Bible is old and, you know, and it was written all those years ago and it was written by all these authors and it's, it's lost its integrity through all the translations through the years. You know, we really we need to be pointed towards this, towards this other book. Now, if they're preaching and pointing towards a different book or adding another book, well, this is all fine and good, but you need this other volume. You need this other volume to go with it because it's an additional testament or it's an additional this or it's an additional that. And then when you add this to this, then you got one good whole book. No, no. The, we have to make sure that when it's all said and done that, that the teaching is staying true to who God is to who Jesus is, to what the gospel is, and that it's elevating the Bible to where it should be. So, we understand that fruit is the outward production of the in inward <clears throat> nature. There's a story about this uh, uh, guy who uh, was sitting there and he was driving down the, driving down the road and... Uh, comes up to the yellow light and had enough time to get through the yellow light and get across the intersection, but he was just, you know, being a good driver and he puts on his brakes and he stops and doesn't go through. Well, the person behind him was not appreciative of that. They wanted to be right on his tail and whoosh, get through that intersection. So this lady behind him is honking and screaming and yelling and sitting there and just going crazy, making all kinds of hand gestures and just has a meltdown behind this guy. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, there is two cars back is the uh, police. And you go, Ooh, and all of a sudden, the guy, the police officer who's behind the, the lady going ballistic throws his lights on, gets out, knocks on the door, grabs the lady out of the car, and cuffs her, hauls her down, and hauls her to jail. The lady sits in the holding deal for a couple of hours, and they finally, you know, pull her out, and the officer apologizes and says, you know, I am, 
I'm really, I'm really sorry that I did this. He said, but he said, when I saw all your uh, um, Christian bumper stickers and saw all this stuff on the back of the deal, and then you just went so crazy when you such foul language, and I, was, I just knew the car was stolen. <laughs> and uh, the deal is, is that, that uh, we are judged by our, by our outward expression, by our fruit. And we have to be aware of that, that people are going to want to match up who we say we are with what we're doing that shouldn't in, in, intimidate us or, or make us not want to, to uh, let people know that we're believers. But we've got to be aware that that's taking place. John 15 verses 4 and 5 say, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 8 goes on to say, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. On Wednesday nights, we've just been tracking through the fruit of the Spirit. It is the love and the joy and the peace and the patience. And we have to stay connected to the vine. We have to stay connected to Jesus. He is the vine. And as we stay connected to him and allow the ministry of the Holy Spirit to take place in our lives. And we do what's on our end to do. Because we are, we are equipped to live our lives. Where God has given us dominion. God has given us, you know, we are the ones that make our choices. You know, when we open our mouths, the words that come out, it's us moving our tongue, deciding whether or not it's going to be something that's good or something that's bad. That's why God holds us accountable for it. If we were just, oop, just slipped out, you know, something else took over, something else did that, well, how can we really be held accountable for that? No, it's, it's who we are. It's our inward nature. It's what we're allowing to rule and to reign in our lives that, that is, <clears throat> produces those things. And we have to make sure that the fruit that is in our lives gets done. And, and he, Jesus tells, judge, the, judge these teachers by the fruit that's in their lives. What's coming out of them? What's showing up on the outside is a direct correlation with what's really been planted on the inside. There's a, <clears throat> back in uh, 1953, in a uh, <clears throat> Chicago train station, there was a group of reporters and people who were waiting to greet the 1952 Nobel Peace Prize winner. They're sitting there waiting. The train pulls up. The doors open and out steps a six-foot-four man. Bushy hair, big old mustache. And he steps out, and everybody's just so excited. Immediately, this, <clears throat> this <clears throat> big man starts getting the handshakes. I'm so excited. It's such an honor to meet you, sir all of these different things, and he pauses. Being so tall, he can see over most of the other people, and he pauses. He's got this huge group, all these reporters, people snapping, <clears throat> snapping pictures, and he pauses and says, excuse me for a minute, and cuts his way through the crowd and goes over, and there's this, <clears throat> there's this elderly woman, elderly black woman, who is there struggling with her two suitcases. She had gotten off the, <clears throat> gotten off the, the train and was trying to get onto the bus. And he goes and he helps her get her stuff, get on the bus, sits there and wishes her well as she takes off and then turns back to the crowd and says, you know, uh, pardon me for the interruption. 
and then goes back. And uh, the crowd was just in awe. It was Dr. Albert Schweitzer, who had been who had spent uh, many, many years in Africa dealing, to help, dealing with and helping the poor of Africa and had won the Nobel Peace Prize. One of the people watching leans over to a reporter and says, that's the first time I've ever seen a sermon walking. That is what we are supposed to be. Our lives are supposed to be sermons walking. It's supposed to be so much more than what simply comes out of our mouths. Ultimately, each of us should be a sermon that walks. Hebrews 13, verses 14 through 16 says, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, confessing his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Ultimately, each and every one of us are some kind of a, of a prophet, of a teacher. We're all, called, we're all called to do this. The whole iron sharpening iron. You're going to be teaching me and I'm going to be teaching you. You're going to be teaching those that are around you. And we have to make sure, we have to be aware of the false prophets. We don't want to be receiving and being led down the, the wrong path. But at the same time, at the same time, we want to make sure that we're leading people in the right direction. We want to make sure that we're being true teachers and true prophets. The one that we're presenting the truth. That, we're, that the fruit that's coming up out of our lives is matching that. That we're professing and that we are saying we are to be sermons that walk. Those that are here to uh, do the baptisms, um, he's already gone. They really, really didn't here. They come. Awesome. We're going to do baptisms in just a minute, and I'm excited. This is our first baptismal.